pastors, elders, staff, and hundreds of volunteers here at Northland Community Church hope you have a very blessed Christmas. We invite you to praise and worship as we celebrate our Savior's birth. Join in with us for Christmas Eve at Northland. We'll sing familiar songs like Away in a Manger and O Holy Night. We'll be touched by our wonderful soloists. We'll be inspired and challenged by Dr. Joel Hunter. So let's begin. And from all of us to you, Merry Christmas. Years ago, on a deep winter's night, high in the heavens, a star shone bright. While in a manger, a wee baby lay, sweetly sleep on a bed of hay. Dear baby Jesus, how tiny thou art. I'll make a place for you in Stars in the heavens I see ever and always I'll think of thee. Praise to God whose love was shown. Creation praise in God in Come to
be seated. We see throughout Scripture that God speaks most often and most clearly to those who have the time, who take the time to listen. And so it could very well be that the shepherds, whose job included a lot of hours of watching and waiting, were among the most ready people on the face of the earth to hear the good news, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in Luke chapter 2 these words, And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds took off to go see this thing that had happened in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, where Micah had prophesied so many years before, that out of you, Bethlehem, will come for me one who will be ruler over all of Israel. What we know now that they didn't know then is that the one who ruled Israel would rule the entire universe. For all of the hopes and the fears of mankind came together in one little dusty town in Bethlehem. So we sing about that tonight. proclamation, peace was brought to all the earth as the angels sang that song to the shepherds. As you read the Christmas story, you can almost get the impression that it all happened in just a moment. But we know that it was a most remarkable moment. Matthew records it this way. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. 
Luke says that she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In that one moment where the Word became flesh, in that one moment where the omnipotent became breakable, he who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than all of the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to become dependent upon a young teenage girl for nourishment. It all happened in just a moment as the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us.
here tonight, would you worship Him personally now as the God of the universe, as the Word that became flesh?
is amazing the way he came. Listen to these words in Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And for the next six or so verses, the angel Gabriel unfolds this amazing story to a young teenage girl. Mary came that night confronted by a fairly famous figure in Scripture. Gabriel, we know, appeared just before this to Zacharias and told of John the Baptist's birth. We also know that he appeared some 500 years earlier to the prophet Daniel. And Mary, being a young Jewish girl, knew something of what it meant when he said that the Messiah would be born out of her womb. She must have known some of what he would face as the Messiah, but she had no idea what it would mean until finally one day, some 33 years later, she saw an empty tomb. Then Mary would understand what Gabriel was saying to her that night. But Mary was also concerned because she was going to be a mother. And like any mother, she wondered about her son. Like any mother, she must have looked at those tiny hands and thought about how would they possibly someday heal. She must have looked at those lips and wondered how could they proclaim the justice of God. And I wonder if she looked at those feet and thought about the day that they would walk the road to Golgotha. Mary was just a young woman. But she said to God that night these words. She put the context of her questions within what she knew to be true, and that was her trust in God. And so she responded, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And I wonder 
Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? And the child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know?
Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where there were no rootless Christmas trees hung with candy canes and breakable stars. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where there were no gilded Christmas trees and no tinsel Christmas trees and no tinfoil Christmas trees and no pink plastic Christmas trees and no black Christmas trees and no gold Christmas trees and no powder blue Christmas trees hung with electric candles and encircled by tin electric trains and clever cornball relatives. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no intrepid Bible salesman covered the territory in two-tone Cadillacs and where no Sears Roebuck creches complete with plastic babe in the manger arrived by parcel post, the babe by special delivery and where no televised wise men praised the Lord, Calvert Whiskey. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no fat, handshaking stranger in a red flannel suit with a fake white beard went around passing himself off as some sort of North Pole saint, crossing the desert to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in a Volkswagen sled, drawn by rollicking Adirondack reindeers with German names and bearing sacks of humble gifts from Saks Fifth Avenue for everyone's imagined Christ child. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no Bing Crosby carolers groaned of a tight Christmas and no Radio City angels skated wingless through a winter wonderland into a jingle bell heaven daily at 8.30 with midnight mass matinees. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and softly stole away into some anonymous Mary's womb again where in the darkest night of everyone's anonymous soul, he awaits again an unimaginable and impossibly immaculate reconception, the very craziest of second comings.
We gather together tonight to sing your praises forevermore to proclaim who you are and what you have done for us. And Father, we recognize that this is the night when we commemorate your giving of yourself completely incarnate to us. And the only appropriate response is for us to give ourselves back. But we give you not as you gave, not in the purity, not in the goodness. We give you both bad and good because that's who we are. Feeling safe and secure because your sacrifice makes it okay to give you our sin and know that it's covered by the blood of your Son. So, Father, as we offer ourselves to you tonight, our intellect, our money, our emotions, our behavior, all that we are, Come now, Holy Spirit, and teach us from your word for a little while that we might worship you more completely. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your scriptures with you, you can turn to the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I'll just read four verses tonight and preach very briefly, but what I think is a very important message. Starting with the fourth verse of the second chapter. It says these very familiar words. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger or a feeding trough. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Real Christmases aren't perfect. Even the first one wasn't. 
real Christmases aren't perfect. And as the Ferlinghetti poem indicates, no matter how we try to glitz them up and cover them with lights and tinsel and tinfoil and so on, we must recognize that real Christmases aren't perfect. Now, we are faced with a scripture reading here about Christ being turned away on that first Christmas night. From our perspective, we really blew it. And I've always felt more sorry for the innkeeper than I did for Joseph and Mary. We know what happened with Joseph and Mary. They did all right. But can you imagine being that innkeeper? How embarrassing to turn away God. You know, I also feel sorry for him because he was just doing his job. He was doing it to the best of his ability. He was doing what he knew right and what, what was what he knew was right and in the right way and to the fullest of his capacity. And it's not like you would know something like this unless you were told. Christ came the first time in such a familiar form that he was not immediately recognizable. God came the first time in such a common form that he was not evidently prioritized. And to add to that, God came for the first time at such an inconvenient time as to not be welcomed. Now, here we're in a dilemma. What do you do with an imperfect Christmas? What do you do with a God who comes to you sometimes in ways that you would think would be inconvenient and imperfect. There's quite an irony working here. Here's a guy trying to do his job, and this God of the universe, whose timing is always perfect, the Bible says. The Bible says in Galatians 4.4, when the time had fully come, in other words, in heaven's time, it was perfect. It was perfect. It's just that in earth's time, it was late at night. And it wasn't the innkeeper's fault that they were already full. It was Joseph's fault. The lunk had got there late. I felt sorry for the innkeeper. What do you do with this God who, who organized the whole universe? But the first time he shows up, he knocks on the door, and to admit him would call for disorganization of your life. What do you do with this God? Who is the solution to every problem. But at his initial visit, seems to cause more problems than he solves. What do you do? Because real Christmases aren't perfect. I feel sorry for this guy. He was just doing his job. And he was doing it very well. But sometimes, when your life is running very well, and you're clicking along on all eight cylinders, you miss some very important things. I went, not too long ago, to a perfect church. 
Honest. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, I went, you know, when you're in the business, you go into church and you kind of look around. And I went and I sat down and sat in this beautiful sanctuary. I mean, gorgeous. Came out of better homes and gardens and churches books. <laughs> the decorations were impeccable. Not overstated. Very nicely done. The choir came in in these gorgeous robes all together. The choir master stood and they all stood together. And they all began together and they sang these rich, deep, resonant tones. Very serious songs. They all ended at the same time. The, choir, the, the organ did not play one wrong note the entire time I was there. I was so impressed. It was perfect. The ministers, there must have been half a dozen of them, all in these beautiful robes, stood up and they all had their section. They had their readings or their prayers. And they articulated every syllable wonderfully didn't miss a beat didn't mispronounce a word this rhythmic rhetoric even the introductions to the memorized prayers were memorized and rehearsed and I sat there growing uneasy I I, I thought you know, this is how church ought to be done. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And they're doing it right here. But I had this uneasiness I couldn't quite get a hold of. Then there was this guy who came in late. Now, all the people in the church were dressed to the nines, we used to say. All had suits and ties and the women had dresses and sparkles and hats with feathers yeah but this old guy who must have been a visitor and didn't know walked in with a sweater on and made his way part way down and everybody looked and gave him this we will welcome you until you know better look and I, and I caught at that moment what it was why I was uneasy I don't know that if I tried out even for volunteer work in this church. I would have made the first cut. <laughs> I don't believe I would have. You know, because I'm not sure there was any room for doofuses such as myself. <laughs> now, please don't... I, this isn't... I'm, I'm not jealous. I, 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 I think we need churches like this. Because while I was sitting there, there was a voice inside me that said, Hunter it wouldn't hurt you to kind of edge toward that end of the spectrum a little bit more. Wouldn't hurt a bit. And I know the voice is right. But even when you do your job very well, you can miss some very important things. I kept wondering if there was some late breaking news from God, if it could have edged its way into the agenda for the day. I kept wondering if, if people who didn't quite have their act together, could 
be fully participative. You see, when Joseph came to the inn that night, when the Holy Family first showed up, they didn't have their act together. As a matter of fact, they caused more frustration than joy. They arrived late. And so, let me ask you, what do you do with people who cause you frustration? Especially when you got life kind of running okay now. You know? Is there time that you take to go to the door when the end's already full? When you've done your job and you've done it well, is there time to include one more thing, especially when it calls for disorganization of what you've already organized. Is there time for doofuses? You know, I love this church, and I love it because we adjust well. We adjust well to the unexpected. As a matter of fact, we live by the unexpected. I don't think there's been any two... So now we, these last couple of services have kind of been alike, but the first ones were hilarious. I mean, we, we, just, we thought we had it planned out, and things kept going wrong, and... and it seems like the more went wrong, the stronger we got. And the more fun it was. I like being around people who don't have their act together. I like that. You know, and it's embarrassing in some ways because we evidently don't have... You know, you, you've got a picture, the, 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 the paper, newspaper has the, <clears throat> the pastor's Merry Christmas picture. I hate those things. Who cares? America. Merry Christmas from your pastor. Now, if you look at that picture, <clears throat> if you have your skit together, the first thing you'll notice is not all of them have jackets on. <laughs> you already mentioned it, didn't you? I, 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 you know, you, you would think that, <clears throat> wouldn't you, that just once a year, all of the pastors could look alike. <laughs> or somebody could have notified it. Well, somebody did notify us of the pastor's picture will be taken on such and such a day and you will dress appropriately. And so we all knew it. But of course, there was one doofus who totally forgot his jacket. <laughs> so when it came time to the, for the pictures, all the rest of the guys said, oh, we don't want you to feel like a doofus like you are. <laughs> <laughs> Then we'll just take off our jackets. I said, well, no, wait a minute. You guys, you guys can't, you guys wear your jacket. I don't care. I'll just stick out like a sore thumb. I, I've done it all my life. I don't care. And it, well, no, we don't. And so, you know, and some, one of these guys, his wife had already driven 60 miles to get him a jacket and bring it back. I said, boy, you're going to get killed if you don't wear your jacket. So you guys, so here's how we did it. Some guys wore their jackets like they ought to. And some guys stood with a doofus like they ought to. <laughs> Now, to me, that's kind of a parable of a good church. There are some things that, that you do, and you do well, and you, you do with excellence. And, and all of our lives ought to be like that. We're, all of us have, ought to have two or three areas that we, don't, we unapologetically do the best. But there's always got to be room for the unexpected, interruptive, discombobulated imperfect people or we miss a great blessing.
You know, those of you who are raising children know what it is to live in a discombobulated world. You know what it is to raise doofuses, some more than others. I can remember when my uh, wife, who happens to be present in this service, with her mother and our three boys, dressed our kids up. Last church, this was some 12 years ago now, and our kids were just little, and I can remember them dressing, her dressing them up for church. And, and our, church, our, our church was right across the street from our house. Now, this is not a tough journey. It's right, all you got to do is walk down the driveway, cross the street, walk up the yard, you're in the church. This is not a tough thing. So here she would, she'd dress all three of these boys up, just dress them up, just fit to kill. You know, they got their little suits on, their little vests and their little bow ties and shiny shoes and ready to go. Yes, sir. Take the walk down the driveway. Now, there's always one kid who gets neater as he goes. And he makes every place he goes neater because he's there. But there was always another kid. Always the same one. (laughs) Who ten feet down the driveway, she'd look at him. One shoe completely gone. (laughs) Have no idea where the thing went. Just gone. And he's marching along, shirt tail out, vest open, bow tie stuck somewhere in his pants, looking out the sleeve of his jacket like a telescope. He didn't mean to. He wasn't rebelling. There are just some people that there's this extreme form of entropy just takes place. And it just kind of gets disorganized. You know what? It's awful easy to live with the first kind of person, and it's a little bit more difficult to live with the second kind of person. But what a blessing both are. To not overlook the frustration and look deep into the spiritual riches of what is available for the people who happen to be inconvenient at the time, who initially present more problems than they present solutions, is a very grave mistake because they are, of all people, spiritual blessings. And I guess that's what I'd urge you tonight to do in commemoration of imperfect Christmases. To first of all, stand with the doofuses wherever they are. We need your support. (laughs) To look past the initial frustration into the God who resides there. And secondly, let me ask you even a more direct question. What is your reaction when God himself knocks on the door of your heart tonight? He does, you know. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and sup with you 
You're standing there just knocking tonight. And, and some of you, quite honestly, are saying, you know, I'd like to let you in, but I kind of got this thing already arranged. My, my life's kind of going okay now, and it's just a bad time, you understand. Maybe a couple of months from now. I'd like to let you in, but it would mean that I would have to make some other people in my life very uncomfortable, and I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I'd like to let you in, but quite frankly, you would cause me more problems right now than you would give me solutions. And whereas all of those are true, let me ask you not to turn him away. You will miss blessings that are eternal. Pray with me. God, thank you that we don't have to be perfect, nor do the circumstances need to be perfect before you come and knock. Thank you that you have chosen us to give us the opportunity to open the door, both to people who seem to be frustrating, but also to you directly, even though it calls for a great sacrifice, it comes at a great cost. God, help us to open the door tonight so that you can come in, so that you have room, the room, in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the ushers please come forward at this time? And we will now do the traditional distribution of light from the Christ candle, symbolizing that life of Christ who was the light of the world. Now as we do this, we are going to listen to a song and then we're going to sing a song. Let me give you one practical word of counsel. The lighted candle always is vertical. If you have children by you, and they are your children, you are responsible to see that the lighted candle is always vertical. If there are children beside you and they are not your children, you are still responsible to see that the lighted candle is always vertical. Let us now distribute the light. Yeah.
sanctuary now hold them down in front of you think of how much light will be in this dark world if all of us go out from here and shine the light of Christ in the Old Testament there is a prophecy it says the people who were in darkness have seen a great light In the New Testament, the prophecy changes. It says you are the light of the world.
Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now cup your hands around the flame and as you blow out this light, let it go into your heart. Go into this dark world and shine on this Christmas morning. Amen.